Gonna turn it up, please. Them Harlem nights. Gonna turn it up, please. I done fell in love with Party at the bodega. What up, everybody? This is your man, Benz Pharrell. We're thinking out loud. How's everybody doing today? I hope everybody's doing all right. All right, what's up? This is Chicago. Let me see. Man and a teen arrested in a multi-city armed robbery spree across Chicago. Okay, Cook County. A man and a 16-year-old girl were arrested for allegedly using a stolen car to commit armed robberies across the Chicago area. The crime spree, the spree began Wednesday around 2 p.m. when Lansing police responded to the 18,000 block of School Street for a report of an armed robbery. Police say a black vehicle with two people inside approached the victim. A firearm was shown and the offenders demanded the victim's belongings. Later in the day, police say the offenders pulled off a second armed robbery in South Holland. They were allegedly using a vehicle reported stolen out of Evergreen Park with the help of the Illinois State Police and Chicago Police, among other agencies, the stolen vehicle was located and a chase ensued. The car eventually became disabled on the 1200 block of 87th Street in Chicago, where the driver and passenger were taken into custody. Eddie Payton, 18 years old, of Burnham, and a 16-year-old girl have both been charged with armed robbery. The girl was also charged with possession of a stolen vehicle. Additional charges are pending, according to the police. Payton is being held without bond and while the girl was transported to the Cook County Juvenile Detention Center. All right, no injuries were reported in these incidents. So they went on a robbing spree. And then the last segment that I did, it was all about teenagers committing violent crimes. This one is in Chicago. So it's almost like a marathon of me reporting about young um, violent offenders across the country. I don't know what's going on, but this has been starting to spike up. All right. Let me see if I see anything else. Uh, I'm looking for some more, you know, just to show you. And I'm not even looking for them. They're just popping up in di different news feeds that I'm going to, different websites and articles. I'm just going through everything, and then I just see these news. They're just popping up. It's not like I'm looking for it. It's just there. So it's not even, it's almost like a coincidence. So I'm going to keep it moving. I'm going to show you some more stuff. All right. A Joy Lett, Illinois man sentenced for bludgeoning brother's girlfriend and then sexually assaulting her and setting the house on fire. This guy is like crazy. Joy Lett, Illinois. A Joy Lett man has been sentenced after he bludgeoned his brother's girlfriend, sexually assaulted her, and then set his brother's home on fire in 2017. Timothy Gregory, 43 years old, pled guilty to attempted murder, aggravated criminal sexual assault, and aggravated arson. All right. So on March 25th, 2017, Gregory went to his brother's residence, which he shared with his girlfriend, and infantry drive in Joylette. All right. So while at the residence, Gregory, without provocation, repeated, blundered 
repeatedly bludgeoned his brother's girlfriend on the head with a hammer. He then proceeded to sexually assault her in the living room where she was passed out. When the victim regained consciousness, she saw Gregory approaching her and then she ran into the bathroom, locking the door. Prosecution stated she passed out again and when she regained consciousness, she saw smoke coming in from under the bathroom door. As she opened the door, she saw the house engulfed in flames and Gregory standing outside the bathroom door waiting for her. Gregory then attempted to stop her from leaving the house by pushing her into boxes when she attempted to flee to the front door. Then she ran outside and was assisted by a bystander who saw her bleeding and staggering outside near the residence. The victim was sent to the hospital where she was temporarily put into a medically induced coma for six days and required numerous surgeries resulting from her injuries. The residents also suffered extensive damage. Gregory engaged in evil and sickening conduct that will continue to haunt this courageous victim long after today's sentencing decision, said Will Count State's attorney James Glago. Although there is no sentence that can undo the real-life horror this woman experienced, the years Gregory will spend in this cold jail cell will prevent him from committing this sort of savaging on another person as he bears the consequence for his other lack of humanity. A judge sentenced Mr. Gregory to 35 years in prison. The judge entered a guilty but mentally ill finding which will not affect the serving of his sentence. The sentence will be served at 85%. Gregory will receive 2,364 days credit for time served. He also will serve three years of mandatory supervised release, prosecutors stated. This guy is freaking like on some other stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. He's, he probably is mentally ill and stuff like that. He probably is. <laughs> because he he hit her in the head with a hammer, causing her to go and get unconscious. Then he kept harassing the girl. And then he sets the house on fire. Like, he on some other stuff. Like, something is in his mind, you know? He got to probably go to a psych ward and people are going to have to talk to him, like psychiatrists are going to have to have conversations with him to understand his type of world, his what what he really be thinking about and stuff like that, because that shit is crazy. He's obsessed, or he's probably mad. He's probably very upset about something that's probably affecting his um, ways of how he sees things or something like that, because... I don't know why would he do all of that. That means he's something, he's just crazy. He sounds like a big kid just acting stupid and shit. So I don't know. All right. Updates on this flooding that happened in eastern Libya. All right. Libya flooding death tops 11,000 with another 10,000 missing. That's crazy. The death toll from the devastating floods in eastern Libya has surpassed 11,000, according to the Libyan Red Crescent. 
as her rescuers desperately tried to help those who managed to survive the the, the, the disaster. Excuse me, because I'm like thinking at the same time. And the Libyan Red Crescent said Friday that at least 11,300 people had died and another 10,100 were reported missing. Mediterranean Storm Daniel is behind the widespread flood flooding in the North African nation as it washed away entire neighborhoods over the weekend and swept bodies out to the sea. All right, so I already did a report on this. This is an update. This happened uh, last weekend. So the port, the port city of Derna was the worst affected following the collapse of two dams, which wiped out a quarter of the area. The city has been declared a disaster zone, with electricity and communication having, having been cut off, according to uh, local officials. An assessment team visiting Derna on Thursday said people were returning to what was left of their homes in desperation. What I saw there is the situation is devastating. A lot of destructions and ruins. Around 25% of the city was basically destroyed as a result of the flooding. Talal Bernaz, the acting country director in Libya for the International Medical Corps, told news sources. Tala Bernaz, whenever you see a search and rescue team, you will see families standing there with tears in their eyes asking for support and hoping that they will basically find one of their family members alive, Bernaz stated. Bernaz also said they were still, they were still pulling out people out of the rubble on Thursday. He saw one rescue and heard of four more when he visited, visited the last remaining government-run hospital in Derna. The survivors has been trapped under the rubble since the early hours of Monday morning. That's crazy. Some help is getting through the one road that leads to the devastated areas. Bernard saw international search and rescue teams from Egypt, Tunisia, Turkey, and Spain, and he drove past convoys of help coming from all over Libya. There were many local authorities there, army, police, scouts, Libyan Red Cross, trying to retrieve either bodies or trying to find survivors under the rubble. Doctors Without Borders dispatched an emergency team from Misrata to Derna that arrived Thursday to assess the needs in the aftermath of the storm, Daniel. Despite challenging conditions as the city was split in two between east and west by the flooding, the group's medical coordinator for Libya said the situation is chaotic, with volunteers coming from everywhere in Libya to help, leaving an enormous need for coordination. There are no dead bodies in the streets anymore, no wounded that we can see in the hospital. Ma Manoli Carton, Doctors Without Borders Medical Coordinator for Libya said on Friday, Manoli Carton, it's more than a, it's more the day-to-day -day health needs that are coming up again, chronic diseases. We can clearly identify a huge need in mental health support. Everybody's asking for it, from people in the streets to the medical doctors that are assisting the people. From the people who saw the events, 
to the people who lost their entire families. Ms. Carton says the emergency team comprising of logistic or logistician and three medical staff began assessing primary health centers in the city on Friday. We visited three health centers in the West. One is not active because almost all of the medical staff died. Mm. The two others health centers, the two other health centers are active with volunteer doctors from Tripoli. But they were asking for support, mainly for mental health to support people coming to the center, Ms. Carton stated. Carton also said the situation of eternally displaced people is still unclear, saying the group identified a space in the west of Tripoli without being without uh, with about. I'm sorry. Carton also said that, uh, the situation of eternally displaced people is still unclear, saying the group identified a space in the west of Tripoli with about 3000 displaced people but there are more sheltering in the homes of friends and colleagues. All right? That's friends and colleagues lending out a hand to help the wounded and the people that are displaced. Libya's, hold up, excuse me. Libya's National Center of Meteorology reported that more than 16 inches of rain fell in the northeastern city of Beta within a 24-hour period to Sunday according to the flood tracking website Floodless, A number of countries have vowed to send aid to Libya, but getting the supplies into the affected areas have, has proven difficult with many roads being blocked and bridges being destroyed. Rescue efforts have also been hampered by the current political situation in Libya. With the oil-rich country split between two warring governments, one in the east and the other on the west. The head of the United Nations World Media Meteorological Organization said Thursday that most of Libya's flooding casualties could have been avoided if the divided country had a functioning meteorological service. All right? Basically, they don't have no weather service. They don't have no meteorologists or a group of meteorologists sending out warnings to, like, the Storm Daniels that hit the area. They don't have nobody telling them, oh, you have to have warnings. Like, here in America, when, they, when the government issue out warnings, warnings, the state government be like, okay, you guys need to evacuate because this hurricane is going to destroy this area once it touches down. You see, so they don't have none of that, all right? The head of the United Nations, well, I already talked about that. I'll say, okay, those that have lost their homes are being housed in municipal buildings like schools and universities, according to Bernays. If you see the amount of destruction in the area that's been destroyed, it's big. You can see cars in the third and fourth floor of buildings stuck there. It was massive, like something that you've never seen before, all right? Yeah, I was looking at the pictures. That shit looked crazy. And then there's also, there's also was some flooding in America over there in Georgia, but I don't, I'm not even sure what it is yet. I'm about to go look for that uh, information right after this one. But Libya 
you know, well, we got to hold those people in prayers uh, because it's a disaster zone. The number, the death toll has climbed up to um, 11,000. Uh, more than 11,000 people died and more than 10,000 people are still missing uh, as search and rescue are still trying to find more survivors. Uh, the country is separated, divided. So, you know, me reporting this right here is a big message to all of us all around the world that, you know, divided we fall, united we stand. And I hope somebody out there can understand what I'm saying, all right? So let me keep it moving. All right, I already reported this, but these are updates and these are more intricate details on this case, all right? I reported this, uh, I think, a couple of days ago, probably three days ago. Ohio murder suspect breaks into a Georgia home, meets a family man with a firearm, all right? Uh, an Ohio man wanted for the murder of a 77-year-old woman was shot by a defendant or by a man defending his family. An Ohio man wanted for murder of a 77-year-old woman was shot by a man defending his family during a home invasion on Thursday, according to the Fayette County Sheriff's Office. Michael James Brooks II of Columbus, Ohio, was hospitalized Friday for injuries sustained during the home invasion. When he is released from medical care, he will face charges for burglary, home invasion, and theft by receiving in Georgia, and murder charges in Ohio, police stated. Investigators said Brooks has an extensive criminal history. He is wanted in connection with the fatal stabbing of Emily Foster, which occurred on September 9, 2023, in Columbus, Ohio, and also for the carjacking of a red Ford F-150 truck in Kettering, Ohio, which was later found outside the burglarized home in Georgia. Fayette County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a burglary call at the home just before 2 in the morning on Thursday. A security alarm at the home also alerted police to a potential intruder. Deputies were less than three minutes away, police told news sources that the homeowner was armed with a gun and confronted the intruder who was welding a knife in his basement. The homeowner reportedly warned the suspect before shooting him. Police said the homeowner then left the basement and took up a defensive position on the second floor staircase to protect his family. There, he took his stand as the subject made his way up to the second floor. He made the comment something to the effect of, you're going to have to kill me. When the resident fired the second shot, that was about the time when the deputies got there. From, we can, from what we can tell, he was coming down the stairwell, stairwell with a second gunshot wound, said Fayette County Sheriff Barry Babb. At that point, they actually still struggled with him as they took him into custody. All right. Remember when I told you he was like, man, you're going to have to kill me. He, he just he was relent, relentless. He ain't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? He really was like going to go through this. 
You see what I'm saying? It shows you the intensity that um that man that was protecting his family in Georgia that he had to go through. I bet you he was scared at the same time. And then this um uh, Michael James Brooke character, the second, he didn't give a fuck. Like, he ain't give a shit. And you can see he don't care, you know? That's that's very concerning, and that's very high alerts for a person to even think like that. You see what I'm saying? The suspect was transported to Grady Memorial Hospital with two gunshot wounds. All right, so police identified the intruder as Brooks by matching a Ford truck found at the crime scene to a vehicle that had been carjacked in Kettering, Ohio, days earlier. Fayette County deputies said the truck had different plates from the original displayed. Fayette County investigators said the suspect had approached multiple houses in the Georgia neighborhood and that the targeted residents had been chosen at random, all right? So he chose the place where the man was protecting his family. He just randomly chose that fucking residence. That's crazy. You see what I'm saying? Police are working to determine whether Brooks had a connection between Georgia and Ohio. The Columbus Division of Police identified Brooks as the person responsible for the deadly stabbing of Emily Foster, who is 77 years old. Following another home invasion in the city's university district on September 9th. This guy is a serial intruder, all right? And then he got to have some type of connection to Georgia because he drove from Ohio to Georgia. So that means he knows something about Georgia. He probably once upon a time he lived in Georgia, obviously. So Columbus police said that officers arrived at a home located on the 2000 block of Luca Avenue near Ohio State University and found a woman suffering from a stab wound. She was pronounced dead shortly after 4 p.m. by the medics. Investigators said the attack was random. See what I'm saying? Shit. And this guy is like, he's sick. He's out of there. Columbus police now want to know how Brooks got to the university district. They released photos showing Brooks without pants. All right. He was wearing them little short ass shorts that the kids be wearing nowadays because I'm looking at the photos. All right. All right. All right. All right, Columbus police now want to know how Brooks got to the university district. They released photos showing Brooks without pants riding on a bike through the area after the deadly stabbing. Cameras in the area captured Brooks' movements and assisted police in creating a timeline of events. Deputy Chief Smith were, said police determined that the suspect had been wearing sweatpants before he entered Foster's home, the old lady but removed them afterward. The sweatpants were found near the home. Brooks was identified based on forensics evidence collected at the home and murder warrants were issued on Wednesday. Columbus police said that Brooks had been released from the Franklin County Jail the night before he committed the murder. He had pleaded guilty to two counts of felony fleeing on aggravated assault charges and an unrelated case. Police say he had been released before sentencing in that particular case. Initially, he was on a parole hold. And the second part is, I believe, 
at a certain point, the parole hold ended and he began serving time on the pending felony assault charge, said Deputy Chief Were. And at that point, he was awaiting sentencing, and I believe he bonded out at that point. News sources reported that Brooks had served time for aggravated robbery, robbery and receiving stolen property, having been released in 2016. According to the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections, he was on parole until June of this year, the outlet reported. All right. So this boy, this man right here, Brooks, the second, uh, <clears throat> this guy, I don't know. He's just a crash. He crashed out. Um, basically, he ain't got nothing to lose. So he don't really give a fuck. And when you have some pro when you have a person that's a menace to society, when you have somebody out there just running around the streets like that, and they really don't care, and then you and then you heard what I said when I read the um, article. He told the homeowner, "You're gonna have to kill me." You see what I'm saying? He ain't give a shit. And I already covered this like three or two, um, two uh, episodes ago. But these are the details, his name, because when I covered it, the, initially I covered this story, they didn't give the information of the murder charges or which state he was charged in, and they didn't give his name, all right, which is Michael James Brooks II. So <clears throat> that's, there's people like that running around the streets. Down here in Harris County in Houston, Texas, we have a task force for violent offenders. They have a task force. They got like a police task force. The only job is to catch violent offenders. Um, I stayed in Fifth Ward for like, I stayed in Fifth Ward for like years. And there's, and Fifth Ward is a very poverty, uh, very low income area. Uh, very underprivileged people live over in Fifth Ward. The Third Ward is just as bad to South, um, Ozone Park, you know what I'm saying? Um, I forgot the name of that area. Uh, I don't remember. There's another part. It's Third Ward, and there's another one, like Telephone Road and Broad Street near Hobby Airport. Those, like, bad areas. And then there's small little areas on the southwest of Houston is bad, too. You see what I'm saying? And they got a task force, a police task force, which... You know, they go after the very violent offenders that are out. Most of them are out on bond. Some of them are out on parole, but they still committing crimes while they all on parole. And then it's hard for police or the parole uh, officer to keep in track of them because they be moving around. So sometimes they don't know. Some of them are fugitives running around the country. You know, and they don't give a shit. They're going to do whatever. And if they see that you are an easy target, they're going to go for it. You know what I'm saying? Some people are very gullible, and they don't know what's around them. You know, I know people that's very gullible. They think life is very sweet. They don't even understand. There's some people There's some people so gullible, or not even just those type of people. You got people that are fucked up, and then they don't know how to read people. Like, there's people who think they're gangster and they try to read a person and they think that person is soft or square and they found out in the worst way that the person is not soft, the person is dangerous just as well. He just conduct, or he or she just conduct themselves in a civilized manner where those 
people that's in the street they can't read they can't uh, their analytical skills are not up to par so they think that they got a easy target when that easy target is just as dangerous or even worse they they probably ran into their worst nightmare i understand that you see what i'm saying um well Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to cut this segment short and sweet. This apple pie has to be sliced and served, all right? I will come back with another segment. I told you I would, I'm very busy. I'm going to be extremely busy. I enjoy doing my podcast. I enjoy um, reading articles of um, <clears throat> dangerous things that's going on in our community. I like to read articles about politics, too, just as well, because... A lot of people in my community does not understand the ins and outs of politics. So I I wouldn't say I dumbed it down. Some people probably will say, oh, you dumbed it down so people can understand. No, 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 no. I ain't dumbed it down. I clarified it. I reiterated it to the point where the person can understand, oh, this is how they do it. This is your local representative office, and this is your state representative office. Once I break it down, that's where I start from, right there. I tell you about all of that information right there, and then once I, I, I start slowly bringing it down all the way down to the president, from your local state representative all the way to the president of the United States. I break everything down, your district attorney office, all of that. I break everything down so people can understand politics. So when you're in a fucking fiasco, you know how to beat the case. This is why I'm here. I'm sort of like a, 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 a attorney at law analyst, all right, because I'm deeply into um, judicial work. All right, this is your man Ben's for where we're thinking out loud. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is called Box Benji. That is B O X B E N J I. Same name that you could use to follow me on Instagram as well as TikTok. All right, just type in Box Benji. Just type in Box Benji, and you will find me there. Type it in the search engine, you will see me. All right, this is Thinking Out Loud. Peace. Gonna turn it up, please. Them hard nights. Party at the boat, David.